Welcome to Wisdom Unlocked, The Ways of God, a production of Lion's Share, a ministry that aims to co-mission with Jesus in making disciples of all nations. We ignite and provide resources to disciple makers in the church and throughout the vocations. In our world today, there is more information available than at any time in history, but wisdom is in short supply. In this podcast, you'll hear how learning about the character and ways of God is a guide to wisdom. I'm Sonia Beerson, and we are picking up our conversation from the last episode where we discussed the fact that Jesus paced himself, and we challenged ourselves with that question, do you, do we, do I, do we pace ourselves? And today I am not sitting down with Dave Beering, the founder and president of Lionshare, because he is off pacing himself on vacation with his family. And he actually said uh, during the last episode that sometimes you also need a little bit of a break from the break. So he's with grandchildren and children. And actually, he and Cheryl are taking a few days after (laughs) they're with all their family members as a way to also take a break from taking a break. And, uh, And so, Dave, hope you're having a great time. However, we have fantastic stand-ins for you today, and these are all friends of mine who also happen to be on Lionshare's board, because that's one of the pre-qualifications to be on Lionshare's board, is to be a friend of Sonia. And I've invited each of them to be a part of this discussion because we've all kind of sat under Dave's teaching on this. We all come from different contexts, and we've all been challenged by it and have succeeded on one level or another, but I don't think any of us would hold ourselves up as an example, maybe Nancy, but, but I don't think any of us would say, you know, we're an example. We got this. We're going to teach you how to do it. Like that's not this at all. So let me, uh, let me introduce people. So I'm not doing all the talking here. I'm going to start off with uh, Mel Mills, who is, gosh, I'm going to have so many titles for him here. He's an entrepreneur. He is an author, an investor, a digital marketing strategist, and just a great guy all around. So welcome, Mel, to the show. Thank you, Sonia, so much. It's good to be on here with you. And we also have Sean Holland, who is first and foremost the pastor of the Upper Center of Worship uh, Church in East Lansing, Michigan. Yeah, he's doing finger. Yeah, we're celebrating over here. He's also the director of transformational leadership at One Love Global And on the side, when he's not being a wonderful dad and husband, he is a social and emotional learning specialist. So I got a lot to learn from him. And finally, Nancy Reese, who is one of my mentors. And anytime you hear me talking about a mentor other than Dave, this is her, Nancy Reese. She is a former consultant and coach in both nonprofit and profit arenas. And I feel like I'm introducing a game show here. So don't worry, guys. I'm not going to you know, do any love connection. It sounds like we're doing love connection. I'm not I sure. Know. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I don't know. My, my game show um, host voice came out. Anyway, you can tell I'm excited. Uh, so I just want to review for those of you who may not have heard the episode, uh, the last episode when Dave and I discussed the fact that Jesus paced himself. And so let me just review real quick uh, what those things were in the Bible that helped us understand this is not just a great idea. It was something that Jesus did. So the first point was that Jesus was secure in who he was so he could freely serve. We see that all through the Gospels. Number two, he did only what the Father was doing. 
So he was driven by obedience. And number three is very closely connected to that. He was not driven by needs, but rather was motivated by obedience. Number four, he rested with his friends for a while. Number five, he knew that his vision could only be fulfilled by multiplying his life in others, meaning he wasn't going to do it all by himself. He had to, to build that vision and, uh, and disciple others. So, Sean, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I think I remember that you first heard this teaching at uh, a special intensive that Dave hosts called A Leadership Journey. Am I right? Yeah, it was at the leadership journey um, some years ago that I heard I first came in contact with this teaching. Absolutely. And when you first heard it, what did you think about it? Were you like, oh, I've heard this before, you know, like, great. Or or was it brand new to you? It was it was in a sense, it was brand new because um, it was just, you know, we live in such a culture that is so performance driven. And uh, it, it was it was foreign like it was a really like yeah is that what we're talking about right now i mean is is this what is this is how jesus did it how he lived successfully and so yeah it was it was new for me on so many different levels mel when you first heard this teaching the fact that jesus paced himself how did that strike you it was it was earth shattering it was eye opening um, it was convicting. It was uh, very, uh, very challenging and almost as if it was almost as if uh, I had realized kind of like, here's your problem, but not in a way that, uh, you know, I felt beat up. It was more like this is what's been going on, like things begin to kind of make sense. And so it was all of those. It was revelational. It was convicting, uh, but it was also hope giving that, you know, hey, here's a here's an answer to this problem for me. Yeah. Nancy, how about you? Were you familiar with this idea of pace? I don't know if I would have used the word pacing, but the Lord had been working on me for a long time around slowing down, sitting at his feet. As a matter of fact, if you look through 14 years of my journals, you'll see that's the one consistent thing he's keeping he keeps talking to me about. Um, I know from Dave, I got the book Margin, and that was a, just a game changer to read that book. It was really important. You know, this idea, as you were saying, uh, Mel, is countercultural. You know, I think being productive is kind of the measure of almost who we are as people. The idea of being busy is not just a, hey, I'm important, busy, but I am worthy. I'm worth it. <laughs> I've proved my worthiness by being busy. And so I, I do think that for me as a, as a type A, that idea of not being productive feels absolutely wrong on some level. And I think a lot of Christians get caught in that trap of spiritual activity. What do you think, Mel? I would agree. I think that when we're doing that, we are trying to essentially prove our worth. Uh, when I 
went through this kind of teaching for the second time with Dave back in 2017, you know, you know, he asked us a question, how much are, how much of this busy that we do and we fill in, are we doing out of our own insecurities? And when I think about, you know, why I was doing that, uh, it was definitely to, again, kind of feel better to prove myself to almost fill this void. Uh, and even now, I mean, this is not something I've completely mastered, certainly better than what I was. Uh, but even now, I, I, I still, you know, it's almost like anything you have to unlearn and relearn. You know, it's something that you have to watch because, you know, there's a tendency to want to fall back into it. I have a problem, you know, still not, you know, not doing anything, wanting to be still. I'm just better at it now, you know, because of these teachings than I used to be. Sean, is this something that you personally struggle with? Because I know as a pastor, in addition to the other things you're doing, you come across people who struggle with this all the time. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I find that I'm really good at giving advice to other people <laughs> about how they should be doing things. And it's so clear cut and easy to me. And then I have to apply it to myself and it's not that easy. Yeah, I think, you know, when, when I first heard um, the pacing of Jesus. I mean, when you think about this, my church was growing. We had a young church full of millennials. Um, I was on the fast track professionally and it, my life was just, you know, booming, so to speak. Right. I was in my early thirties, you know, mid thirties or so. And what do you mean? Slow down. Like I'm in the prime of my life. <laughs> like this makes no sense. How are we going to get all this done? And Again, the culture was so calling for it, just calling for it and calling for it more, more, more. I just I, I really thought that there was aspects of the teaching that was unapplicable, honestly, that you, you know, there's no way we're going to do that. And the other thing for me um, as an African-American pastor, it really brought in the issue of like racism, because all my life I was taught you have to be three times as better, four times as better, right? You're not going to achieve in America as a black male if you're just good. You have to be phenomenal. And so when Dave started teaching that, it, it started bumping up against some of these notions that, you know, I had lived by and everybody around me, we were all in the same boat, right? So those are some of the challenges that for me, and I, I still I still wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. I think we'd be we'd be lying if we said that we weren't wrestling with it right on an ongoing basis. Uh, I shared during our last episode that my husband makes it a, a, a priority to try and reread margin every year because that, in addition to the scripture, is so convicting and it's kind of like a reset. Nancy, when you were working as a consultant, when you worked in both nonprofit and for-profit situations, I know in nonprofit situations that there is not, there's nobody else to help. Like you, you need to do it. Right. And when you were consulting, I remember you told me a story about how God very obviously created a place of stopping which forced mm -hmm. you to pace. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, I was, um, I've been in the corporate world for probably about six years and business was building. I was traveling all over the country and in, even into some other countries to do what I was doing. And I had a client in 2012 
who had me fly into Hurricane Sandy in New York City as the hurricane was bearing down. And I literally called and said, are you serious? Are you really going to have me do this? Well, long story short, I got stuck in the hurricane, no power, inability to get back out, ended up at a retreat center that they dropped me off at that had some power and at least a little bit of food and a lot of time to sit and think. And I clearly heard the Lord say, take a 30-day sabbatical. And I knew I needed to be obedient to that in the moment that it happened. The other thing I knew was that a 30-day sabbatical and all the emails I was getting, I would cheat if I didn't make a choice not to not only not look at my emails, but I made a choice to delete them without looking at them over that 30-day period. And I told all my clients I was going to do that. Um and that they could contact me when I got back. There was an emergency number. If they had an emergency, they could get somebody else. But um, that forced me to truly step away because I knew myself old enough to know I'd cheat because I wasn't going to want to look at hundreds of emails every day. I'd cheat and, and look at them. So it forced me to be obedient to that. And it was in that time that God really taught me some core lessons around slowing down um, not setting goals, things that just were what the world tell you you have to do. He tried. He was trying to teach me a different way. Nancy, weren't there financial repercussions for doing that? I mean, how many of us could say, "Oh, I'm, yeah, sure, okay, I'm not going to work 30 days," you know? Um, uh-huh. And God, you can say that audibly, but I, I don't know if I <laughs> if I can obey that. Well, you know that I was tired enough. I knew I desperately needed it. So that was the first thing. But the second thing was, in reality, I lost one client. I only had one client who wouldn't wait for me to come back. And when I did come back, I don't know how many clients said, oh, my gosh, I wish I could do what you did, but I don't know how I possibly could. So, you know, there was this, everybody else was hungry to be able to just step away and totally make an electronic break but they were petrified about how to get that done. And God just honored my obedience in the middle of that. So there really weren't, other than the one client I lost, there weren't a lot of financial ramifications. You know, and if you think about it, if you stand back from it, like, of course God can provide, right? In the middle Mm -hmm. of that, like, why are we concerned about that? But that's, when you said that, that was the first thing that came to my mind was, how are you going to handle that financially? But in in a sense, that's my lack of faith, right? In saying, okay, Lord, if that's what you're really saying to me, then you will provide in the middle of this. Right. And each time you make a choice to rest and to honor the Sabbath instead of working or do whatever God's asked you to do, He shows up and work that you didn't know how is going to get done, but you took the Sabbath off anyway, and it gets done. He shows up, and each time that happens, it strengthens you for the next time you know you need to rest, to step away, to retreat. Mel, you wanted to add something? I like how you brought up this idea of cost. And, you know, Sean taught me something years ago uh, where he said, we rest in order to work. And, and in that order, in other words, the rest is for in order to work. And Dave said something that 
stuck with me as well. He said, God will always get the Sabbath from you somehow. In other words, if you don't volitionally give it, he'll get it from you. And it might be in a hospital. And one of the things that had kind of brought me to be able to come to, and one of the ways I've become better at saying no and just being selective about what I give time to, not that it's always easy because my heart is to want to serve, to help, uh, to have fun, whatever. But when I began to realize the cost of running myself into the ground, of running outside of the margins, of shorting myself. In other words, I hit a point where I realized that everyone, my family, my work, clients, everything, people were getting about 60, 70% of me. And yeah, they would look at that and say, oh man, you're you know killing it, all this other stuff, but you were only getting like less than 100%. And that was so convicting to me. And when I realized how I did felt when I would, you know, crash uh, or be necessitated to take a break in some way, shape or form. And I began to see how I would feel after that. And so I realized the cost of that uh, and what uh, not being able to say no cost me uh, that 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 really pushed me to change. And no one wants to live in a state of what I call overwhelmation just to be overwhelmed all of the time to running off of fumes. You're not giving anyone your best, especially God. And that was enough to kind of wake me up and say, Hey, this costs too much. You need to change. Sean, your, your wisdom got passed on there. Well, Hey, you know, uh, when you have good teachers, you can pass you can pass <laughs> on what you've learned. <laughs> this is, this is a great conversation. You know, one of the things that, um, that Dave always says, and I want to I want to apply it to, you know, the challenge of this whole uh, applying the pace into Jesus is whose words are big in your ears. And as I begin to really allow myself to to listen at the Holy Spirit, I started to recognize that Jesus's words were not the loudest words in my ears. And I was justifying the busyness. Well, I have to preach. I have to prepare. I have, you know, I have hospital visitation. We've got all, all this stuff going on, right? But having that time to listen and we preach and we talk about being with the Lord as a personal relationship where every relationship requires some time, some communication, right? And, you know, it's, it's, it's so often that we attempt to do ministry um, and we're empty, right, on the fumes. And so I started to ask myself, you know, where in my life have I valued the voice of others over the voice of Jesus? And when I really started to boil down to it, then I had to make a decision how I was going to respond to the modeling and the words of Jesus. But we see Jesus doing this, right? He's giving us He's giving us a, a, a formula, right? And so, you know, that's something that I just really began to think about was, Sean, you have to make a personal decision every single day to value the words of Jesus in your ears. And this is something he's calling you to do. Go ahead, Nancy. So Sean's words are so true about making a decision. This is a choice. It isn't something that just happens, that God makes happen. It is something, ev sometimes every minute, 
certainly every day. Um, and if you're re- if you're doing retreats or anything like that, you have to say, "I choose to sit at Jesus' feet. I choose to rest. I choose to honor the Sabbath. I choose to be obedient." Um, and so. If I had one piece of advice for everybody, it would be realize this is a choice that you have to make over and over and over again because it's hard. And the world is like quicksand, and it will mm. suck you under if it can with the busyness and the the badge of honor that you're busy. Um, and you have to make a choice all the time to walk in the opposite way of the world. That's good. So we're going to have some listeners who are saying, this is great. Thanks for saying this. This is a great teaching. Um, but like, I don't know how to make this happen in my life. You don't understand my circumstances, right? I got this going on. I got the parents you know, who are sick. I got the kids who are doing this. I, I want to get married and I can't find a half decent person to spend time with. I'm trying to build a business. I mean, whatever the reason may be, these are not bad things. All the things that they're saying, they're all good things. Tell me how you have been able to manifest this teaching in your life. Like, give me some specific examples that someone coming away from this podcast could say, you know, maybe I could do that. You know, Oh, go ahead, Sean. Oh yeah. So I think that it starts, uh, like Nancy said, a choice. And you build into something greater, right? So I started with relaxing my own expectations of this amazing, you know, result. I'm going to do this and I'm going to like, you know what? Let me focus on one or two things or three things. What are the most important things in my life that I need to focus on today? And, you know, I started asking that question. You know, what is the Lord actually giving me strength to pour into today? And how might I manage that energy in that time in a way? Watch this, that at the end of the day, I'm not zonked out. Hmm. Right. So I started I started really challenging myself that I want to go into the evening with energy. I don't want to be dead at the end of the day. So that required Um, For me, it required a diet change that I would change the way that I would interact and take care of myself. And so I started that journey. And I'm going to tell this story. I went to the doctor and here I am, a young man, workout. And I thought it was a joke going to the doctor. And the doctor pulled the chair in front of me and said, do you want to see your grandchildren? I was like, absolutely. And the doctor said, at the pace that you're going, and the stress level that you're under, you're not going to be here. And she said, I'll give you one year to consider yourself before I put you on medication. And so I had to make a life change five minutes here, 10 minutes here, 30 minutes. Now I'm up to an hour, two, three hours where I can just sit and not expect myself to be doing anything. I think what you're saying about starting off with even five minutes, right? That that's still a discipline. You know, you hear about that with working out, right? Like if you can't walk an hour, like walk five minutes and then five minutes the next day. And then that might turn into 10 and you might go back to five. But 
start with something just because it's not like, you know, holy time in front of God sitting, you know, that, that doesn't mean that, that you aren't trying. Um, Mel, how about you? I think there are, man, several ways to apply this. Um, I think you guys did a great job last week of looking at the model of Jesus or the last podcast rather, and the things that he was doing. Uh, He did what he saw the father was doing. He was motivated by obedience, all of that. I remember something you said to me a few years back, Sonia, you asked, and I think you said one of your mentors said to you, what is God blessing in my life and where am I finding fruit? And that's a question I revisit to, again, kind of check my pacing and just see where I'm at with things. Uh, One of the things I just this is more practical is I try to just uh, live within what we call having margin. Right. And so practically, and there's a book on that, that we, you can read and it's a great book. And practically what that looks like for me is, you know, if I have to be somewhere at five o'clock, get there at four, uh, four, uh, four forty, right. Get there early, leave margin within you know, the things that you're scheduling, for example, there was a time where I would book myself, you know, just kind of back to back minute to minute, you leave no margin for life to happen. Right. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, within your schedule and the things that you're arranging, like that's important. Uh, Another practical thing I do is I actually put my phone on do not disturb while I'm at work throughout the day, because we don't realize it. Back in Jesus's day, uh, like there were no electronics. A hundred years ago, we didn't have all of this. I don't think we realize how much we're inundated with uh, buzzes, notifications, uh, email, texts, uh, this, this, boom, 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 boom. I personally think it contributes to the mental illness that we see today because the brain was never designed to just be inundated just constantly and stimulated like that. And there's repercussions for that. And so one of the ways I try to temper that is, for example, I'll put the phone on do not disturb. I'll try to have times, for example, that I will check email or respond to texts. Again, the idea being that you're just not in this state of just going, 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 going all the time. And another practical thing that I do as far as it is relates to schedule uh, and is what kind of, you know, prompted us to get into the conversation here today. And I started implementing this last year and um, continuing it this year is I've scheduled, uh, I try to schedule a five day span of, of just time off. Uh, every, at least every quarter, uh, a five day span where I'm, you know, I, I'm still kind of, you know, active on social media, but I'm, I'm essentially unplugging from my normal routine. You know, I'm off of work and that is a time to reset. That became very evident to me when, for example, you know, I would go on break for either a Christmas or a Thanksgiving or say a Memorial Day. And I noticed how I would come back And I would be hitting on all cylinders. I noticed this in my workouts too, by the way, it's true for the body as it's true for the mind. And I said, man, there is something here. And again, it's, it's this idea of the rest and the Sabbath. And so I started consciously booking and building that in. And it was hard at first because 
I initially said, okay, well, if I'm going to take time off, I don't just want to do staycations. I want to go somewhere and do something. But as you all know, uh, you know, sometimes you need a vacation from the vacation. And so I said, no, you need to just, you know, break the routine, take time to unplug, you know, and, and get away from that. And so I consciously said every quarter, I'm going to try to book a five day span. If you think about it, you know, if you have a vacation bank, which a lot of people do, you know, you get a two day weekend. And so you just attach, you know, another two or three days around that and you get your five days. And I come back so recharged from those, you know, it's a time to unwind. It's a time to process. And I come back so much more refreshed. And so those are just some of the ways, uh, practical ways that I implement this is I go after the schedule. I go after the time because I don't think we realize how many things, you know, really do compete for our time. And if you're like me, your mind can get so wound up that you don't realize how much you're being siphoned off, so to speak, in all of these different areas. And it'll creep, it'll creep up. It'll, it'll get you. And unfortunately, when it gets you, it'll be too late. So note to self, stop texting Mel. All right. I got it. I'm writing it down. Um, Nancy, you actually lead a group of women, uh, which included me in your first iteration of this over the course of two years we took uh, time together three times in the course of the year, and uh, we, we got together to eat, but it really was a retreat of silence mm-hmm. where we would take big chunks of time to just be, to be still before the Lord. And this is actually now turned into a ministry for you. When you talk to people about this issue, what, what are some of the things that you say to try and get through to people about the need for this? Um, you know, the story, Dave talks about only doing what the father will do. Jesus, that's what Jesus did. And there's a story of Jesus. All these people were still waiting to be healed and he walked away. And so how do you say no? And I think that's one of the hardest things we have in our society. We feel guilty if we say no. So one of the things I like to talk to women about is, we can't rescue everybody. We can only do what the Father gives us the grace to do. And how do you, I know I used to say yes all the time. So I had to learn to pray. What I'd say instead of saying yes was let me pray about it. That gave me time to override my emotions of wanting to say yes. And then being able to come back and really have sought the Lord. And if I heard yes, I'd say yes. And if I heard no, I'd I just say, I'm sorry, but this isn't something I can commit to at this time. And there's that. And then the other thing that I like to tell people is if you have margin in your life, if you have times of silence, stillness, and solitude, it is like a reservoir and it keeps it full. If you deplete the reservoir and only then go off and experience what we call S3, silence, stillness, and solitude, then it only fills the reservoir back up and it's much more quickly depleted. But consistent times of silent solitude and stillness helps to keep the reservoir full. So when the crisis comes, when uh, the wilderness journey comes and you really need that reservoir full, it is, and you're much more able to walk with the Lord, seek what the Father would do and pace yourself through it as you go. 
Um, and so that's really the goal of what we try to do in those two years is start to form a habit of doing that and an understanding of some of the things that keep us from doing that. So I think there's, you know, to kind of wrap up, I think there's, there's a few things here. One is that there has to be a choice, right? We need to pray about what's the specific thing that God is asking us to do, right? And that'll manifest differently in Mm -hmm. each person's life. Uh, I think number three is we don't want to look at this purely through the lens of like, I will be more productive if I do this, right? Like I, the, the calm will come. It's like, we, we tend to be transactional, right? So it's like, okay, Mel says, if I do this, then I'll have more energy to do this. Or if Nancy says, if I do this, then I'm going to hit a spiritual high, you know, here that that's not what we're saying. We're saying these are the wonderful benefits of that, but that's not why we do it. We do it out of obedience. And, um, you know, self-care, as people like to say it these days, has always been a a hard thing for me. Growing up in a a pastor's family, missionary kid, like people can drop by your house at any time. That's just kind of an understood thing. And so, you know, someone rings your doorbell, they walk in, you know, you run to the kitchen, start making coffee, you know, cut apples right? And, and you're there for as long as is needed. And so carving out time for yourself is selfish, right? Um, I, I love number four on, on Dave's list. Jesus rested with his friends for a while. And the reason that that was so revelatory to me was it wasn't like Jesus went and did more spiritual activity, Right, which is sometimes in the Christian mindset, we think, oh, well, then I'll have more time to make meals for people or to sit down and counsel someone or, right? Like we think that this time, this margin is purely for Christian activity, but Jesus went and spent some time with his friends. He was refreshed. And I don't think Jesus walked around feeling guilty about it. That that refreshed him. And so I just wanted to throw that on top of everything else that we were talking about is that I feel like we can get so, and I don't mean you guys, I just, we as, as people tend to get a bit transactional about this. And, you know, finally, I feel like what we've been saying is start with little steps, right? It might be a dramatic uh, 30 day Nancy stop working, uh, delete all your emails thing, right? It could be that. It could be you saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to take a step in faith. I'm just going to do this one thing. And so something that one of the women in the group that Nancy and I were a part of, what she said to me was, you know, self-care sounds selfish to you and you struggle with this. What's one little thing you could do that is, that's for you, right? And what's one thing you could do that is just between you and the Lord. It doesn't have to be an hour. Like, what's the one thing? And so I have something called candle time, where at the end of the day, when everybody is gone to bed and, you know, lunches are made and, you know, the whole thing, candle time means I'm just staring at the flame and allowing kind of the troubles of the day to kind of fade away. You know, it's not transactional prayer. Here's my list, Lord. It's just being still. And that might only be five minutes, right? I could choose to Netflix, right, for the 20 minutes, or I could choose to sit in front of the candle for five minutes. And so that's that's where I 
begin when I'm struggling with this. So I wanted to share that because I think sometimes we can get very black and white. It's all or nothing uh, in this. Well, as we're signing off here, is there anything uh, anybody else wants to share before we go? You know, I would just say, give yourself grace when you do this because you'll, it's hard. You'll try, you'll fail and that's okay. Just learn from it and pick yourself up and try again. And, and God will meet you in the middle of it and it will start to unfold. And I would add, bring those around you, like your family. I pulled my family in and I said, Hey, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to, seek a different kind of pace. Can can you guys hold me accountable? And can you help me understand what life has been like with me? And so that I could really hear how this is for you. And my children spoke to me and they were like, well, dad, yeah, this is how we feel. We know your schedule. We know you're stressed. And we took a trip and we thought we were going to do all this hiking and all this biking. And we just simply slept. Everyone. I didn't realize that everyone in my house needed a different pace. So it's it's a community thing too. Yeah, good point. Mel, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I'll say uh, a couple of uh, Davisms actually. Um, <laughs> um, you know, not every need is your need to, uh, is yours to meet. And when Dave said that to me, I, I mean, I just felt a load off uh, because I'm a helper, I'm a fixer, but I think framing that and understanding, and when we say not every need is your need to meet, that doesn't mean you just don't care or that kind of thing. It just means you pray about, you solicit God for what things you are to pick up, to you know go after, and what things you are to, hey, that's not my bag, but not every need is your need to meet. Uh, and when you do that, you do you do that and you understand that you know, things that I say no to make me available for things that I can say yes to. And when I begin to frame that up, and I think that's a good way to frame it, uh, because if you're not available, you know, can you be available to pursue the call of God on your life? And uh, in the little things, as well as the big things. And when we talk about this pacing, you know, this pacing is so important because uh, the pace of our lives can interfere with the call of God on our lives. And, and that's kind of the big picture that I think we need to keep in mind. And if we take these little steps, because I, I think that's very key here is doing these little steps until it becomes a second nature, then then you can win and then you can you can please the heart of God in 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 your pacing and then the things that lead that that flow out of that. Well, I joked as we started this recording that on the day that we came together to to talk about pacing, I had like one of the craziest days ever. Like I came in hot to this interview <laughs> because I had like 12 minutes from the moment I arrived home right? To make this happen. And so I just want to warn you all, not just the three of you, but even those who are listening, I bet you, you are going to have a hard time in the next few days trying to even take one of these steps, right? The, the world is going to speak loudly into your ears and all of a sudden there's going to be a ton of needs. And so I hope that this episode is encouraging to you, right? To just take that first step of saying, I'm going to make a little bit of time. And I know God will meet you there. We, As we said earlier, he's bigger 
than all this. And he is going to bless our obedience. So thank you all for taking part in this. And we uh, are going to take a couple of months off. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the podcast during the months of July and August. And we'll be back in September. And honestly, I think that's a great demonstration of pace, of pacing and giving some margin because, you know, there's a lot of talk in the podcast community that we're going to lose listeners, right? You got to, you got to put it, you got to pump it out. You got to pump out episodes, you know, at at the time that you said you would. And if you don't continue, if you don't put that content out, people are going to go away. And that's not our motivation, right? So we're going to obey what we're preaching here during the month of June. And, and we'll let you know we'll be back in September. Look for the emails, get on the line, share email list. If you haven't already, follow us on social media and you'll hear when we're back with Wisdom Unlocked, the Ways of God. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Wisdom Unlocked, the Ways of God is a production of LionShare, a ministry that ignites and provides resources to disciple makers in the church and throughout the vocations. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you, please visit lionshare.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo.